Hello, intrepid listeners. Welcome to the Unnaturalists podcast, an adventure in speculative biology. I'm your host, your guide, your financier. I'm Evan. Financier? I'm paying Ronnie to edit all the things. Oh, okay. (laughs) That makes sense. Yeah. Our good buddy Ronnie at Bristol Podworks is doing all the actual hard work. We're just, we're just dicking around. Yeah. Thank you, Ronnie. So you guys introduce yourselves. Again? We have to do this every time? Yeah. What if somebody's just popping in for the first time now? It's not a narrative. They can pop in at any podcast. Okay. Well, you go first, because that's how we've been doing it. That's what I did. Oh, okay. Well, then it's Tora's turn. I'm sorry I'm interrupting. (laughs) Okay. Hi, I'm Tora. I'm uh, the scientist they have. Not the best scientist for this podcast, but I'm the one they got. And I'm Kim. Did you not come up with a title for yourself? No, I don't have any titles. <laughs> okay. I'm still the third one. <laughs> okay. I, I didn't think that was going to be a continuous running thing. Like, that's my official title. Well, work on it. Workshop it. Okay. I mean, <laughs> do I need a title? I kind of like just being the one that doesn't know why they're here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, On this podcast, we take a scientific look at fantastical beings and try to figure out how their bodies work and how they eat and how they move and how they reproduce and whatever else they might do. This episode is about griffins. I love griffins. Spoiler alert. They're cool. They're a good, good creature design. And that design has been around for a long time, like a long, long time, like 3000 BC, a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, You know, composite animals have been pretty common throughout mythology, but for whatever reason, lion, eagle, smash together was a real popular one, like from the very beginning of civilization. Huh. Yeah. The earliest recording I could find is in 3300 BC. And apparently it appeared a lot in like Egyptian, Persian, and Iranian art. To represent like deities and guardians and things like that. I guess we're not as familiar with the mythology that they had back then. Yeah, we've just found stuff with yeah. griffin-like animals on it. It's so. pretty cool though that we have stuff that that's that old. Yeah. Um, oh, here's a fun fact. This is a little bit of a tangent, but I learned recently that apparently ancient Egyptians didn't literally think that their deities were dudes with like jackal heads or whatever. They didn't literally think that they were people with animal heads. It was just like a visual shorthand that they use for like different artistic styles. So if an animal was the the symbol of that deity, they would depict them with that head just because if it was a small carving or whatever, it was it was just a very obvious visual shorthand. But they didn't think that they literally looked like that. Ah. But yeah, so people have been putting together composite animals for a good, good long time. So a griffin, for our purposes, has got the front half, an avian front half, talons, a beak, an avian head, usually wings, though not always, and then the back half of like a big cat, usually a lion, but it's got paws and claws on the back and a tail, usually like a lion's with a tuft on the end. And I have most often seen them discussed 
uh, as being related to the Near East or Northern Africa. So a fairly temperate climate. Hmm. Yeah, that's also where I found them around. It's kind of interesting, actually, that these creatures didn't really seem to change much visually over the course of time. I mean, there's some, like, variation between their legs, whether or not they look more avian or more lion-like. But other than that, they were relatively consistent, which I thought was interesting. And it's also weird that they've... Sorry, go ahead, Tora. Oh, I just wanted to say, can I dunk on ancient peoples for a minute? Sure. (laughs) I just want to say that it's amazing that, like, the greatest artists of ancient peoples, you know, depicting griffins or whatever, are way shittier than any, like, 14-year-old on DeviantArt today. Wow, okay. (laughs) That's a hard stance. That's a very hard stance. Shitty things on DeviantArt. (laughs) Yeah, but, like, Nobody could make a person who looked like a person back then. They hadn't. They didn't have the wealth of knowledge to build upon that we have now. Now you can just Google, like, hand and yeah. just, you know, get a sense of the anatomy. But if you were in your own studio, you know, in the year 12 or something like that, you hadn't figured out perspective yet. You didn't have anybody to teach you about it. Humans, humans took a while to figure stuff out. Okay, we're 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 learning. Yeah, it's a, it's a I'm, curve. I'm just saying, I've definitely seen uh, better griffins uh, that 14 year olds have drawn than this one that's on my shirt that looks kind of medievalish. Oh, so part of the reason that is in is specifically European ones is because Europeans didn't know what the fuck animals looked like. <laughs> Seriously, like I was actually listening to the History of English podcast, which is a very good podcast, um, but. We can tell both from drawings and from the words they had for, uh, like, Asian and North African and Middle Eastern animals that the common people of England had literally no idea what these animals looked like. So if you're trying to draw something, not only something that you don't have a reference for in your studio at the moment, but something that you've only got the vaguest idea of how it's put together, and the king's like, I'm going to put this on my heraldry, so you've got to do it good. You're like, uh, uh, it's not their fault. It's even like those medieval cat paintings where you're like, why does this cat look so fucked up? I mean, have you seen a cat before? I agree with Evan. I think you're being a little harsh. Coming from someone who draws things, it is very hard to draw things without reference. You are so much better at drawing (laughs) than, like, Anyone before 1700. No, no, no. Sorry. That's probably a little bit too... Anyone before... Anyone before... I don't know. Renaissance painter? I don't know art history. (laughs) Well, I can't... I can't draw. And as far as I'm concerned, people who can are essentially wizards. And I treat them with the same amount of fear and respect. They're doing a thing that I have no vines into. I mean, I kind of like art that doesn't look necessarily technically accurate anyway. Oh yeah, sure, but like was just everyone following the same style? Maybe. I mean, maybe someone drew it the first time and then everyone was like, so that's what the creature looks like, because they were maybe a very notorious artist that everyone thought was really good. Oh, that guy must know what he's talking about. Yeah, he must know that eyes look like that in perspective. (laughs) So also, after that, everyone started drawing it that way. As far as like cumulative human knowledge, there was a real long time where we just like forgot how plumbing worked. Yeah. We forgot how to read. 
you know. Sometimes we but forget things. Also, like the Greeks could make amazing, like lifelike statues, right? And then they just drew cartoons for people, right? Yeah. So, I mean, they also graffitied, which is fun. Yeah. Sure. Priorities, all right. Yeah. <laughs> people had things that they knew they wanted to invest time in. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, oh yeah, we have we have ground rules that that are applicable to every creature we talk about. First of all, must have a physical corporeal form. Second of all, uh, even if it has magic powers, uh, magic is not an acceptable explanation for how its body works. And all the laws of nature and physics apply unless the thing is explicitly and exclusively from somewhere that's not Earth or Earth-like. I did some research this time. I'm I'm making an effort to be useful on this podcast. Try I love and it. trying real hard. Um, so I've got an explanation for why they've got both feathers and fur. I have a hypothesis. Okay. So there's quite a few birds, and it was common in dinosaurs to have a very primitive style of feather that's essentially just a filament, and it's a type of feather that still exists in some birds like kiwis and there's uh breeds of chicken that have like very primitive feather structures yeah and I when was, i was looking at this too silky chickens yeah they're kind of adorable uh-huh. and fluffy <laughs> i would posit then that rather than actual fur they just have a transition from well-developed feathers on their front half to uh flat filament style feathers on their back half which even in actual birds looks very much like fur. Kiwis look like they're covered in fur. I love kiwis. So, they're so cute. They're, they're good mm-hmm. little birds. Mm-hmm. I um, agree with you though. This is also my hypothesis. I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. A thing that I am struggling with is the six limb situation. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was about to say, um, a griffin is basically like a bird cat centaur, right? In that way? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Except instead of keeping both the... Well, I guess it depends on uh, what style of griffin you're looking at. But instead of keeping both the front legs and the back legs of the cat, you've got the um, really the front limbs and back limbs of the bird and then you've just kind of stuck a cat's butt onto its butt. It's a little bit of a human centipede. Um, uh, uh. In most of the depictions I saw, the hind legs were like a cat still. Yeah. And then the front legs were like talon bird legs. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I will posit that I definitely did come across. They have two rib cages. What? Do they? Ha- I don't know about that. No. No, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> I don't think they need but, to have two rib cages because, of course, they have feathers on the front half. Um, but, but they have a pelvis that those um, that the talons are attached to. Okay, but so maybe have they have two pelvises. Uh, I don't think it necessarily has to be a pelvic structure, like on a bird. Yeah, I would think that it's more like adapted forelimbs because they don't have a, an abnormally elongated body relative to a cat or something something of that size they the the bird half mostly looks like the forelimbs of a lion it's just covered in feathers and in yeah. in the case of the bird feet it has the like bird digits with okay. talons on them 
So I think it's more likely that the bird front half, quote unquote, is actually like shoulders, like it's their shoulder structure and their front limbs okay. are uh, attached to the front of their, well, it's not attached to their rib cage, but they have shoulder blades. That makes um, sense. I, instead of thinking of it as the entire forelimbs are the bird legs, it's more like they have lion back legs and front legs. It's just their front like arms and feet are more like bird talons. I guess that makes more sense mm-hmm. when you think about it that way. It still makes the wing structure a real puzzle, though, because how, how are they... How do they have front limbs? It, I think it makes more sense for them to have a, essentially like a double shoulder than for them to have a double rib cage. But there are there are depictions of griffins without wings, and they're until huh. until recently. What is the point of a griffin without wings? It's still got a bird beak and bird talons on the front. Okay, it's but less fun. It is less fun. It is less fun. <laughs> Tora, you know those lizards that have the crests on their heads and that they can, like, pop them up and lay them back and pop them up and lay them back? Uh, are those bony structures? Um, I guess I'm not... Or do you mean, like, a frilled lizard that has yeah. a collar? Yeah, yeah. No, it's not a bony structure, as How far do as they, like, make them stand up? That's a good question, I guess. Is you always just give muscles? Tora all these really hard science <laughs> questions about animals on the spot. Well, I was thinking... So another thing I found... Is that, um... Yeah, I'm interested to see where you're going with this. Well, there was a quote, let me see if I can find it, from this fellow, Flavius Philostratus, who described griffins, but pointed out that they're really bad at flying. Uh, this huh. was, what period, what time period was this? It was around one, degrees, It was right? around 170 AD, it looks like. Around 170 AD. And he says specifically, For these animals do exist in India and are held in veneration as being sacred to the sun and the Indian artists when they represent the sun, yoke four of them abreast to draw the images and in size and strength they resemble lions but having this advantage over them that they have wings. They will attack them and get the better of elephants and of dragons. He just assumed dragons exist too, okay. <laughs> but they have no great power of flying, not more than have birds of short flight for they are not winged as is proper with birds. This is weird, but the palms of their feet are webbed with red membranes such that they are able to revolve them and make a flight, make a flight and fight in the air. And the tiger alone is beyond their powers of attack. So he's describing like what a bat has. Oh, oh, like it's it's got like membranous wings. Uh So is he just describing a really big bat? I don't know. But he seems to think that they have four limbs and also... No, well, they have... Yeah. Their feet are webbed with red membranes. So I think he's possibly describing something like pterodons had some some species where they could sort of fold their wings at the wrist joint and they had claws and could walk on their, their mm-hmm. wings mm-hmm. like forelimbs. Granted, this is very much not a traditional depiction of a griffin, yeah. but it makes more, like, whatever this guy saw makes more sense than having double forelimbs. I don't know if he actually saw or if he was describing something that he had been told of. Well, yeah, that 
you're right. I, I misspoke there. He says, these animals do exist in India. And so, like, he's, he's clearly describing something that somebody else told him. That's, I kind of like that description, though, the idea that they have the wings sort of connected to their forelimbs. Mm-hmm. That's sort of like how they are in The Witcher. There's lots of griffins in The Witcher, and I love them. But they still have feathers, but their front limbs are also their wings. And they can fly, but they mostly, like, glide and use it to jump around and stuff. Which also would make more sense, because these are things are very big, and I imagine they're very heavy. So if they can fly... Oh, the wingspan would have to be enormous in order to get them off the ground. But if they can do short glides and long jumps and things, they wouldn't need quite such a dramatic wingspan. Right. Mm -hmm. Like chickens. Yeah. (laughs) Or, um, those dinosaurs. Like, the Quetzalcoatls? Quetzalcoatlus? Those guys? You know? Yeah, yeah. really, they were like the really, really big pterodactyl light. Yeah, they were like an airplane size. Yeah, but they were huge. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. We... We assume that those flew, though, right? Based on yeah, the I mean, granted, we only have an extremely partial skeleton. I think we only have like one wing bone from one of them, or like was, finger bone. I was looking them up because I was looking up a lot of very large birds just to figure yeah. out a bit about the whole mass issue and how that would impact their flying. Yeah, I, I have, I'm having trouble recalling, but isn't there like things like? We had more oxygen in the air back then, and that helped uh, with the mass issue because you could more easily get oxygen to the limbs. Yeah, that had to do a lot with, like, their breathing and things like that. But mass as an issue as far as just, like, can you attain flight if you're that huge and, like, a creature, you know, not like a machine. But even, like, the most massive dinosaurs that lived, um, you know like seismosaurus or whatever, were kind of like today, like, uh, how how did that exist without collapsing in on itself? How did it uh-huh. pump blood to its brain? Yeah, I mean, when I was looking up this dinosaur, this, or pterosaur, I don't know, do we need to qualify, but... Ter- I don't remember the difference between pterosaurs and pterodons and pterodact- pterodactyl is... Well, these ones like, are pterosaurs, yeah. okay. so I'm just going to go with that. That's okay. what the internet told me, so I'm, it must be true. I may have... I don't remember if it was pterosaurs or pterodons that had the folding front limbs, so I may have misspoken. But anyway, continue. There's a lot of scientific discourse as to like how far they could fly and how for how long and things like that, and how much they weighed too, because we have no idea of that. But uh, apparently, they had like a 36 foot wingspan. Yeah, which I've never <laughs> read the numbers of that before. But that's pretty remarkable. That's huge. I love it. Yeah. From an evolutionary perspective, I would have a hard time believing that they were flightless or had very limited flight because they dedicated so much of their body plan to the wings. They had to have used those wings for something. So, granted, I don't want to step on any paleontologist's feet. I should really just give you guys one of my paleontologist friends uh, <laughs> contact info and just stick them in this podcast instead of me. Well, we so, talk about dinosaurs. Uh, a lot. I mean, we don't want some other scientists. Yeah. Talking about you're them. our scientists. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we keep bringing up dinosaurs just because dinosaurs are so delightfully weird. Mm-hmm. And it's a good al- reference. Yeah. It's also, we can 
to be fair, bend theories to fit or bend dinosaur theories to fit our theories because nobody ever saw dinosaurs in motion. We just have hypotheses. So maybe X could have worked in this dinosaur. Maybe Y could have worked in this dinosaur. Incidentally, I also read a theory that uh, the depictions of griffins may have been inspired by ancient peoples finding fossils of like beaked dinosaurs because they they're four limbed animals, but their head looks a lot like a beak. I read some discourse on that as well, and I most part of it was that I saw people claiming that it was it was a good theory, but there are actually depictions of griffin that date back to before when they think we discovered lots of these fossils. So, I mean, it's possible that there were other fossils, of course, mm -hmm. or or even just tales of fossils and things like that. So a lot of that can inspire it. With the pterosaur, when I was reading about how far and how long they could fly, apparently we used to think that they were pretty much flightless, but now they've created a lot of models which posit that they were actually capable of flying for a really long time. They just relied largely on soaring. Like, you know those propellerless planes that go around the mountains and they can fly for a very long time using just wind, wind currents and things like that? And Or like an albatross. Yeah, like or those like are an albatross. Uh, I don't know if it's an albatross or, like, a condor that has technically the widest wingspan, but albatrosses have huge wingspans, and they have very rigid wings, and they almost never flap them. They just stay aloft yeah, for literally, I think, at least weeks at a time when they're migrating and stuff. They'll, like, dive to catch fish and then just, like, coast back up again. I think that's what griffins are probably working with. <laughs> really? I was going to say the opposite. I was going to say that because, like, they have four limbs, so I think they're more efficient in a terrestrial environment. Like, why would you, why would you need four limbs if you're flying most of the time? Oh, well, I mean, I just meant... Maybe they can't fly that long, but I just meant that if they do fly, it's in more of like a soaring kind of way, not in like a flapping their arms slash wings kind of way. Um, or they like. I mean, maybe. But do you think that that's? Do you think that they went move their arms up and down? Wait, are we going with the idea that they have wings on their back or that they have arm like wings? So I have a. Uh... Because now I feel like we have to commit. I have another theory that I came up with for the, like it. This is why I asked you about the frilled lizards, Tora, because there's a lot of animals and we theorize this about early dinosaurs with early wing structures as well. There's a lot of animals that have um, like dramatic like mating display uh, apparatuses you know yeah. there's a lot of birds that have Especially real weird birds. there's a lot of birds that have real weird like feather structures and real weird heads and real weird wings that are not beneficial to them in any way for like getting food but for whatever reason the lady birds are real horny for that look so it's it seems possible to me that griffins could have wings as strictly like one a uh like a heat dispersal thing and two a mating display thing 
like that they have some kind of feathery crest on them that's very big and dramatic that looks like wings but might not actually be wings. The Griffins and the Witcher kind of have that too, actually. The like sort of feathered crest around. I mean, they have they have the wings also on their arms, but I I just have a hard time imagining something quadrupedal that's not very aerodynamic and that presumably I I don't know why I'm going to say I don't know why it needs to fly. There's a lot of things in nature that don't need to happen that way, but do anyway. Hmm. So they, they, they fly because it adds to their, you know, their swiftness and their predatory like nature when they're like, they're really, really fast. That's a Griffin thing. I have another question. Why do they have to be big? Well, that's a good question too. Yeah, that is true. Like, why couldn't they be house cat sized? I mean, well, this, uh, we're not leaning exclusively on our boy Flavius over here, but he does say that they can, uh, they're killing elephants and dragons. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, I, so Griffins have had like a modern renaissance, you know, because of things like video games and D and D and Harry Potter and, or, or I don't know if you guys were kids and saw like the what was it mercedes lackey griffin books there was like the black griffin and the white griffin and the golden griffin or something like that i don't know i saw some discourse about griffins some people claiming that they had like spots like leopards Mm. and others being like mostly in like ancient greece i was looking at but other people depicting them with like different colored feathers and stuff like some were blue and other things like that it's pretty cool I didn't see much discourse as to their size other than large. But. <laughs> large. Yeah. Um, I kind of like the idea of them being small, though. Like, that kind of solves the whole, like, wings problem and everything. I mean, we like, fully know that humans are prone to exaggerating the size of things that they don't, aren't familiar with. I mean, maybe they weren't house cat sized, but rather than being, like, large lion sized, maybe they were more. Something in between. Serval-like eyes. Yeah, like a serval or something. Yeah, I I think... They were just really aggressive, so you know, people... In modern media, we make them big so that you can ride on them, which is just cool. You know, we make them, like, horse-sized, like in Dragon Age, and... They gotta show me some griffins in Dragon Age. (laughs) I am so mad. For three games now, they've been like, yes, the Wardens used to ride griffins. It was fantastic and super awesome, and now they're extinct, so we're never going to model them and put them in the games. (laughs) We can't figure out how that six-limb structure works. We can't even make horses run correctly, so... (laughs) (laughs) It's a cop-out, you know, it's 2019... Next time. Next game. They, they gotta put them in there. They can't even figure out hats. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was a dunk on Dragon Age. Make better hats. Your hats suck, Dragon Age. Um, yeah. They're in, in video games, apparently. I don't... I guess it's just because people are referencing other people who also got it wrong. But they get animal locomotion super wrong all the time. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the idea that you could ride griffins, though. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, but we're already struggling with them lifting their own body weight <laughs> off the ground. <laughs> Never mind a whole other person in yeah. armor with a sword. Yeah. So 
I'm kind of fond of my wings as display theory rather than wings for flying theory. I I'm more on the end of I prefer the the forelimbs as wings mostly used for gliding and maneuverability sort of feel. And then make them a four-limbed creature instead of six-limbed? Yeah, a four-limbed creature instead of six. I like that. I think that's very cool. I've always been... I I saw Walking with Dinosaurs when I was, I don't know, 11 or something, and the flying dinosaurs were always my favorite. You know, the ones that... And I, I just thought it was super cool how they like folded their forelimbs so that they could walk. And they had this very strange sort of like crab walk thing going on. Loved it. So I like that. I don't know that it's traditional, but also traditionally, I think Griffins fly at least a little bit. Even, even our boy Flavia said they could fly a little bit. Um, since you quoted a scholar, I don't know that he was a scholar. I don't really know who he is. I just know the boy The boy had some things to say about griffins. <laughs> I, I want to quote someone, too, who Please had do. some things to say Please about do. griffins. Are you guys familiar with Pliny the Elder? Oh, yes. <laughs> if no. anyone listens to... Um, Sawbones. Sawbones, yes. Oh. He's a pretty renowned dude when it comes to talking about things. He has no knowledge oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, just his like whole, us? Yeah, yes, exactly <laughs> like us. Yeah, we're just like Pliny the Elder. Except he thought he was a doctor also. Mm-hmm. I think his, like, goal in life was to write down, like, all the knowledge about everything. He was, like, in it, basically trying to create the internet, but in ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he just wanted to write down all of the known knowledge about everything. I love it. Yeah. And I was going to bring him up in our mermaids episode because he, I I forgot at the time and it didn't seem really relevant to the discourse, but clearly, clearly he's going to be coming up a lot in the future based on the fact that we're three episodes in and this is the second time I'm hearing about him. (laughs) He claimed to have seen mermaids washing up on the shores of Gaul and he like wrote to the emperor about it all like, Oh, this is a big deal, you know? The mermaids are dying. We have to do something about this. (laughs) But as far as griffins are concerned, he wrote about them, and I quote, that the people of Scythia waged continual war with them, and they were a kind of wild beast with wings that dig gold out of mines, which the creatures guard with remarkable covetousness. Oh, Greedy boys. Yeah. So they dig gold out of mines. This is a thing. And I thought that was weird. So I looked it up a little. And apparently it's sort of a reoccurring theme. Like not just Pliny had this idea. Apparently the idea that they were like, I don't want to say greedy, but that they would like covet gold and like hoard it in their nests was a thing. Huh. I don't know why. Maybe, I mean... If we're assuming that they nest in burrows or something like that, that could kind of explain why they have a drastically different, like, front limb structure than back limb structure. If they're using their bird claws to, like, dig, basically, to dig holes in the ground. I thought that maybe the that speculation came around because some of the earlier depictions of griffins as, like, guardians like in ancient egypt and places like that might have created an association between them and and things like treasure and like guarding guarding 
places of value and importance. Oh, or like tombs or something yeah. where you've got all your afterlife but, but that's shit. that's just like how, how I think it came about from a folklore perspective. Mm -hmm. As far as what actual purpose it served. Maybe they were just like greedy magpies. Who are, these badasses, who are these badasses going to war with the Griffins all the time? I don't know, the people of Scythia. <laughs> I, I don't know, they, but they were at war with them, apparently. I guess when he says wage continual war, I think he's just referring to the fact that they would, like, steal from them and, like, take the gold out of their mines and stuff, and they would have to chase them off. Like in The Witcher, you know? <laughs> the, the Griffins show up, Damn pests. eat all your sheep, and steal all your farm goods, and then they run off, you gotta hire a witcher to track it down, kill it. Are you currently playing The Witcher? I am. <laughs> Kim also just loves The Witcher it's in general. I love time. the platonic ideal of The Witcher. Well, I've never played it, but I, I... It's even Polish. It is. I keep referencing it because it's one of the more prominent depictions of Griffins I've ever seen in, like, media. Yeah, that's true. They definitely exist in video games, but even in high fantasy games, you're, you're more likely to see a dragon or a variation on a dragon or some, you know, unicorns or something. I, I don't I don't see a lot of griffins and things. Yeah, I mean, The Witcher also has like a, a bestiary and it's like it's a thing within the game. So anytime they have a creature, they take time to explain like its characteristics as a creature and how it works and things like that. and how territorial it is and why it does the things it does so okay so it's interesting speculation do you remember what you first how you first became aware of griffins oh i was a real weird kid so probably probably from like uh some kind of fantasy book i don't i i read a ton of them as a kid huh that's a good question for me hmm i mean when Dragon Age Origins came out, I was already a bit older, but that's probably the first time I remember it being referenced in anything. Really? Yeah. That, that recently? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a young person. <laughs> I'm a wee lad, but <laughs> yeah. I would have to say it was either seeing Mercedes Lackey books in bookstores, um, which I'm sure are out of print now, or um, that company that makes the the really uh, shiny, pretty sculptures of, like, dragons and griffins and stuff. It was oh, a water stone yeah. or something like that. Uh, I, I don't know the company, but I'm having a flashback to walking through the mall yes. as a kid and seeing, like, the pearlescent dragons yes. in the windows of the knife shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was the first time I saw griffins, and I'm like, what is that? Oh, actually, the, the, the real first time I probably saw them was probably in heraldry. They, they're, like, really big in European heraldry, yeah. so I'm sure, like... Though, uh, they're, um, Europeans are shitty at drawing griffins and dragons, so how <laughs> could you tell the difference between a griffin and a dragon, really? Uh, well, they look a little different, you know? They're, they've, they've got, got feathery the claws, things. you know? Beaks. It's usually the beak, you know? You can tell. Although dragons sometimes have beaks. Oh. Yeah, like the, I'm pretty sure the Welsh dragon. No, maybe not. The There are so many fantasy creatures or mythological creatures that just overlap with each other in Herald, like there's all kinds of things that are just combinations of other things. So, 
it was a mishmash, big whole pile of made up thing. And sometimes a big whole pile of real animals because people at the time didn't know if they were real or made up. But yeah, I might have seen them first in heraldry too, to be honest. I have this, uh, well, I checked this book out from the library when I was very young, probably 11 or 12 in, in my formative years called the Encyclopedia of Things That Never Were. And it's so nostalgic that years later I bought a copy like on Amazon or something and I still have it. And there's definitely griffins in there. So it probably wasn't my first exposure to griffins, but that's that was a something I was real into. There's there's a book that uh has similar feelings for me, but I'm pretty sure I could never find it at this point. Um it was a book in my elementary school library that I would check out constantly called the Creature Catalog. And I'm pretty sure the copyright was something like 1960s or 1970s, something or other. Oh, wow. So it was an old ass book, but it had great um, illustrations of each like, like Medusa and griffins and dragons. And a, I, that's definitely the first time I heard about a rock in ROC. Oh, oh yeah. The, the giant bird. bird. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. The, definite, the first time I heard about a rock was definitely in video games also. <laughs> Um, I there's, think there's Griffins in the D and D Monster Manual. <laughs> <laughs> the original one or more recent ones? The uh, original one from ones like two, but also the new one. So they've been in there for a while. Yeah, the the concept, as we've established, has been around for a very long time. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I'm I still don't know that we've solved the wing thing. Maybe we've solved the forelimb thing. Uh, yeah. Also. Maybe there are different subspecies of griffin. That's also true. That's a perfectly acceptable explanation for, like, why mermaids look different. So you could certainly have a a family of creatures or a phylum or whatever the, you know, section, whatever. Family. A group. (laughs) A whole pile. Oh, family is a scientific word too. Yeah, something else. Uh, a heckin' pile. Yeah, a heckin' pile, pile of animals of that animals. developed a little bit differently. Although, uh, unless we're talking about like a convergent evolution situation, again, a six limb plan is much different from a four limb plan. Skeletons are hard. Nature has a hard time coming up with new skeletons. It's just ripping off its old ideas over and over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> If they have wings, I think it's a four-limb plan. I'm putting my foot down. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think there's any vertebrae in nature with six limbs. That settles it. <laughs> <laughs> Griffins aren't real, guys. Griffins are dumb and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, are we going to move on from wings? Sure. Okay. Because I just want to say, they totally have whiskers. Aww. <laughs> I found out that kiwis have whiskers. Aww. And griffins have whiskers now. Okay. <laughs> decided. What are, what's the purpose of the whiskers? Is it well, for, same as in cats, like a sensory thing? Yeah, for kiwis, apparently they have pretty bad eyesight. They're not Aww. they're nocturnal, but they're still not very Aww. good at seeing. And so they use the whiskers to sort of feel around. <laughs> Griffins have to have great eyesight though. Oh, oh they do, but they can have whiskers too. Okay. I think yeah, Griffins are like predatory and it's 
everything I've ever heard is like about them eating other mm-hmm. large animals and not just not just our boy Flavius, but also your boy Pliny, mm-hmm. who was, you know, doing war with people and like <laughs> Yeah, they're almost always described as being kind of territorial and vicious. So. Important question. Where are the whiskers coming out of? Are they eyebrows or, like, the cheeks? No, no, they're more around the beak area. Okay. So they're, like, a, like on a cat. Aw. Yeah. It's very I love cute. It. Kiwis, are, Maybe kiwis are great. Cre- kiwis are great. Maybe they use them like cats because they like, you know, getting into small spaces. So they need to <laughs> check. <laughs> what? Isn't that what cats use whiskers for? To like sense I, how yeah. big spaces are before they oh, go yeah. into them? Oh, so right. cats' whiskers, by and large, are the same width as their body. That's why very fat cats will grow longer whiskers. <laughs> It's it's and so like they use whiskers to like judge space. They'll like stick their head in a gap and use that information to decide if they can fit through it safely. It was a real science factor. I yeah. to be like I was crazy. That was just phallic nonsense. I know things about stuff. That's why Freya's whiskers are so long. Isn't that Aww. right, Freya? Because you're a big chonky baby. Aww. Cover her ears, Kim. She's a good chonk. <laughs> She's a chonky baby. She's on a diet. I'm. I'm very careful about my cat's health. She's also very <laughs> muscular. Yeah, she's tough. Mm-hmm. She's, she's a, a warrior hunter. cat. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll, especially since uh, they're associated with mines, that makes perfect sense. Even if they have good eyesight. So they're like, they're almost a bit like burrowing owls at that point. I love burrowing owls. I mean, they don't yeah. make their own burrows, but they just kind of take over others. Mm-hmm. And then they kick them out. You guys think that maybe they could be nocturnal? I mean, they don't really talk about that either, but... I mean, lots of cats are nocturnal hunters, yeah. and, and birds owls. are, yeah. They don't really have an eye structure like you would expect to... Well, I guess kiwis have small eyes, though, and they use other senses yeah. to figure stuff out. I'm used, to, I'm used to seeing owls with their giant big eyes. But kiwis also aren't... Predators. Uh, pred- yeah, predatory well, animals, I- right? They might eat, like, bugs and grubs and stuff. Yeah. That's a little bit of a different... That's different. Yeah. Than eating, like, mice and... Yeah, something that small can... Small birds. ...scurry away. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would expect them to have bigger eyes if they're, like, hunting at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can be day hunters. <laughs> I'm not... I'm not putting my foot down on that one. <laughs> also... I'm just putting out there those sculptures of the cute <laughs> griffins definitely have huge eyes. The cute griffins? The the pearlescent sculptures. Oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. The <laughs> the knife store at the mall. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. The the store that had like the the knives from the Bud K catalog with the pretty ladies on them in the chainmail bikinis. Yeah. Yeah, same shop. I assume they sold tobacco products and stuff as yeah. well. <laughs> uh well uh, what else what else do they have? They lay eggs, right? Um Well their back half is a cat, so maybe not. Huh. I mean they're usually described as having nests. Oh, so that's a good point. So But I mean they could just keep all their gold there. <laughs> These are my children. <laughs> <laughs> These are my very shiny children. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I don't think it's crucial to like the mythology in any way how they reproduce. We don't hear descriptions of baby griffins, but it's not like mermaids where we only see 
one sex of griffin there's presumably not a good way for humans to sex griffins so they very well could have live young or lay eggs either uh, way in in birds that are not sexually dimorphic outwardly it is so tough to tell they have special there's like for some reason in japan they train people to sex birds so people pay um these specialists to come over here, come all the way to the United oh, States. Oh, well, that's why they do it. Yeah, and... You said for some reason, but I can tell you why exactly. Because people pay them to travel oh. across the world <laughs> just as experts. Right, right. But it's like, uh, if you need just one sex of chicken, you're kind of SOL, unless that breed yeah. has been specially bred to have a sexual dimorphism at hatch. Yeah, uh... My family raised chickens like just as a hobby, and it was a crapshoot. There was no way, even if even if the uh, the hatchery told you that they could send you like primarily hens or whatever, it was bullshit. They they'd tell you like, oh yeah, most of the shipments are seventy five percent or more hens. They wouldn't give you any kind of guarantee. You'd pay extra for hens, and they'd say like, yeah, this one usually is seventy five percent hens. Total bullshit. You can't tell. So. You just had to wait until the chickens grew up and see which ones had larger combs, basically. Yep. Yeah, because uh, birds have, like, cloacas, except ducks. Ducks have Yeah, ducks, ducks have, ducks penises. have a weird thing. Yeah. They have, like, corkscrew penises. Yeah. It's really weird, and we're not yeah. going to talk about it. No, let, yeah, we don't, have, we don't have to talk about it. But, um, well, since... Uh, all right, so birds and mammals are massively different like from an evolutionary standpoint. So since our, our initial theory, they definitely, Griffins definitely have feathers. Like, I think this is, yeah, we've established this. Yeah. They, there's, there's not much room in here for them having some other, except the membranous structure, but even that doesn't preclude them having feathers. If they do any sort of like flying at all, Mm -hmm. like the fur is going to be a problem. Yeah. So what about bats? Oh, Oh, I don't know. How how do bats do that? Because I remember reading. I forgot that... to look it up. <laughs> I remember. How do bats do what? What's the question? I remember reading that animals having fur is really detrimental to flying because when the fur gets wet, it absorbs water really easily, and then that's a problem. Obviously, like it weighs them down and it makes it harder for them to fly. Also, it's not as aerodynamic. Bats don't have much fur. They just have a little bit, like on their backs. And it's very, very fine. But they're fine so and small, you don't think it would cause any problems for them? I think they just don't fly when it's raining. Yeah. I, they... I saw a really cool video of a bat swimming. It what? looked like it was yeah, flying through the water almost. It was just kinda on the top like, paddling. It was That's very cute. Adorable. Yeah. Well, okay. We we do have the one report of them having membranous wings, but even so, I th- I think it's just more traditional and more direct for them. To- so, I would think that they lay eggs. If they're birds, if they have feathers, even if they have a different back limb plan, even if they're quadrupedal, if they evolve from an avian or a reptilian ancestor, I think it would make more sense for them to lay eggs. I like the idea of them laying eggs, because I like the idea of them having nests. And, I don't know. In I caves. just like the idea. <laughs> so I have pulled up here the characteristics of class aves or birds and one of the strange things is females have a functional left ovary and oviduct only 
So they only use one and the left one. Always the left one. Yeah. It's very specific. That is yeah. weird. Nature is wild. This, so this is not dunking on religious people at all, but it feels like the more you learn about nature, the more ridiculous intelligent design appears because there's so many things in nature that are remarkable, but there's also so many things in nature that are just incredibly inefficient. Like if oh, somebody yeah. was putting that together deliberately, mm -hmm. they wouldn't do things like, so giraffes have this nerve in their neck that loops around a bone that's near their shoulder, but it's a, a, a nerve that has like, so basically the nerve goes uh, like all the way up their neck and then all the way back down again because it just because of the body plan they evolved from it is stuck over that bone so yeah evolution is the laziest yeah so basically they evolved from a creature with a shorter neck where that nerve layout was perfectly normal and fine but once their neck stretched to be crazy long this nerve also had to like stretch over this uh like jawbone or neck bone that they had and so like the nerve which controls uh or which travels to somewhere in the front of their body has to go all the way up their neck around this bone and then all the way back down again it has nothing to do with like their head it just is stuck there so <laughs> no i'm i'm the last person to defend intelligent design but Maybe it was all just intelligently designed in a hurry, you know? So the person was like, oh, this, we got this problem with giraffes. We got to fix it real quick. Uh, just make it, make it go through the neck. Make it go around this way. That's fine. Okay, moving on. No, next creature. Next creature we got to fix. You know? I like, mean... Maybe whoever's intelligently designing things is really busy. They have a lot of stuff to do. They have a whole universe to manage. And, and they, they don't have all day to make giraffes perfect for you, Evan. <laughs> I mean, in the Abrahamic religions... God only did have seven days. <laughs> yeah, like the dude was the dude was on a real tight deadline <laughs> and he had to figure this shit out in a hurry. Yeah. So like everything is jerry rigged. <laughs> He's like, okay, it's good. Can it live? Can it survive? Can it breed? Great. Get it out the door. Moving on. Next one. What's next? Griffins? No, we're not doing those. Too complicated. <laughs> oh my god, guys. Why did you drop No, forget this. <laughs> so Griffins. So, <laughs> lay eggs, um, four-limb body plan, however however that plays out, almost certainly got to be a four-limb body plan. Um, um, ears. They got long They ears. always do have ears. Do yes, they? they mm -hmm. I've always, even in real old depictions, even without wings, they always have ears. They always have cat-like ears, but even then they're like long. Mm -hmm. Long, pointy ears. I've heard them described as donkey ears. Yeah. It's weird. Sometimes they're feathered, too. Um, that would fit, I guess, with them being nocturnal, if they have very large ears, because then they wouldn't have to rely on eyesight so much. Um, or it could be like a, a horned owl situation where they're feathery That's projections. What I, was about to say. Yeah, I like that. Horned owls are cool. Horned owls are cool. All owls are cool. Owls are bizarre. Mm -hmm. That's a really weird animal design. I don't know if you've ever seen like an owl skeleton, 
but no, I have not. The owls are only like a quarter of the size you think they are because so much of them is feathers. Because they're so poofy. Yeah, they're poofy. They're big, puffy birds, wow. and they're skeleton. And they also like they have like very little body fat, of course, because they have to be really light, and like they have very thin skin because I guess their feathers do all the job of like protecting and keeping them warm. So like they're just these teeny little wayfish birds that have giant feathery coats on. <laughs> well if owls can exist, I think griffins are owls no also problem. have um ears that are at different heights on their head, which is really weird. Um, it's so that they they have a better uh, three-dimensional awareness of sound. Mm. Hmm. I love asymmetrical things. That's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Well, what's after ears? Uh, talons? They've got talons. So, given that they, again, are quadrupedal, and that... They live in dens or mines or holes in the ground. I'd imagine that their claws would have to be, their claws, their forelimbs, excuse me, would have to be structured more like a chicken, you know, where it's, it's flat. They have claws good for like digging and things like that, but they have to bear weight on that. Whereas birds of prey they roost and their their talons curl around limbs or something. They can they can walk on flat surfaces, but they do this kind of weird like dancing hopping thing because it's it's not particularly comfortable for them to stand flat on their feet. Hmm. All right, so chicken feet. Yeah, or like dinosaur feet. You know, yeah, like hefty, yeah. weight bearing. Mm-hmm. Like well, three-toed. They need big talons for hunting. So wait, wait, wait. I'm confused. Are we going with a four-limbed creature that has wings and then back feet that are talons? Oh yeah. Well, that's a good point. Were you if they have chicken-like feet in the front? Because if they have the wings that are also the forelimbs, I mean, mm. they'd kind of be like hands almost. So they could like yeah. grab things and walk with them. So there's a bird called a, a Huatzin, which is uh, native to South America. It's a very unusual bird. I won't get into all its weirdness. It's like the only member of its uh, order and family. And like, it's just, it's a very, very strange bird. But it's chicks when they're born. It has full-size wings and it flies. It's a large bird, but it does fly. And when the chicks are born, they have these claws on the front of their wings so that if they fall out of the nest, they can just crawl back up the tree into the nest. And by the time they're adults, they lose this claw. But, like, they have, you know, of course, like, avian hind... They have avian uh, claws, and then they have on their... They they can use their wings like forelimbs, basically. So it's a modern example of something kind of like the the pterosaurs that can walk on their forelimbs, but they don't really walk as a quadruped. They they use them for climbing. Hmm. But there is there is precedent for that in nature, is what yeah. I'm saying. There are there are animals that have full size wings and also have claws on the ends of their wings because wings are like 
co-opted finger bones. Right. Basically, right. I kind of like that. I like the I like the image of them using their forelimbs, which may or may not also be their their wing structures to sort of that's, claw that's forward. That's also a bit archaeopteryx archae- 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 like. Juno and Archaeopteryxes. That, no. that kind of proto bird dinosaur. Uh, does it walk on its forelimbs at any point? Uh, I mean, it definitely like here's here's the skeletal structure and um, it you also gotta has describe a tail. It, Torah. This oh, is not audio medium. Okay, <laughs> yeah. So instead of just having like, uh, well, it's got like three claw type uh, bones or sets of was it three fingered manis? Partially fused in modern birds. Okay. And uh, and then in picture, or like in art, artistic uh, depictions, it's got like feathery wings, but then also those claws kind of in the way that bats have those claws, or the one little dew claw on their mm. wings. So it's, it would have to be structurally changed a little bit if the, the animal was going to walk full time on its for or at least for a good long while if it were to walk on its forelimbs but because wings are just finger bones i guess like its version of the pinky finger could have grown into a wing essentially and its remaining finger bones could Maybe. be its its four claws and then its hind claws so we're changing the design of the griffin a little bit but uh I guess that's more like a bird front claw and its hind limbs could still be like more like a cat's hind limbs. If we're assuming it has sort of scaly projections off the front of its wings. I like this. It's a little non-traditional, but uh, it would allow the thing to fly. Mm-hmm. I like it. Not just because it looks cool in my head. It does look cool. We're, we're going to have to find some art of a griffin that's drawn oh, I'm, like this. I'm just looking up a Quetzalcoatl skeleton, and that's that's what it looks like. They look like that in The Witcher. <laughs> Where they, yeah, they've got the um, the couple of fingers. Um, yeah, like it's... And then it's like a really long pinky or something. Uh-huh. And they, they like put their weight on it. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah, I don't know in modern birds which finger bone it is, but it's just one finger, right? Like, birds have just one very long I think they might be fused. Bone. Oh. Um, but still, yeah, for all intents and purposes, it's one bone, but I think it might be several finger bones fused. All right, so we've redesigned the griffin a little bit, but I think this is acceptable. If we want, if the parameters has to be that it can fly and also... It oh. must have existed oh my God. on Earth. The Quetzalcoatl must have been the derpiest looking thing. Its head is like the <laughs> size yeah. of its entire fucking body. I think the at least partially the head is reconstructed from other similar animals because I know what that we've book? we've only found like very, very partial skeletons uh. of of one. We found complete skeletons of other um, flying dinosaurs, but Quetzalcoatlus, oh, we only have, like, a one one wing bone and, like, 
I don't know, maybe something else. It looks like a terrifying cryptid. I love it so much. <laughs> they're so cool. Nature is wild, y'all. They're also in D&D, and they're fantastic. They're so cool. <sighs> Tori's just looking at pictures of them now. Forever <laughs> looks forever. All right, Gross. I think we've covered all of the, the griffin things. Wait, Tori's gonna... I have one last thing. Yes. They're tails. Yeah. Do they have bird tails or do they have lion tails? Well, like an Archaeopteryx actually had a tail and then... And a little feather crest on it, right? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not sure if that's artistic well, we might, yeah. or, or we if that's real, that. but um, definitely the skeleton is... It has like a fucking tail, unlike um, modern birds, which have just a... Pygo style or something like that, but little, yeah, Archaeopteryx short little butt has bone. a legit long tail. Oh, well, that's all that much bigger. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's no reason for it not to have a tail, I guess, especially if it evolved from a um, a reptilian ancestor. Huh. Also, it can leave its tail around. Yeah, <laughs> a little feather Very crest cool. on it. So they are griffins are typically depicted as having like a lion tail, which is like a long, thin tail with little poof on the end of it. Uh-huh. I'm just going to assume it's a little feather poof. Yeah. Like a cute little, little fan for its, for its babies to play with. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what a lion poof tail is for. Do you? No. no. Maybe swatting flies? Yeah, that's not mm. a bad yeah. call. Uh, lots of, like, ungulates. Like, uh, like zebras and yeah. stuff have those that style of tail presume i'm just guessing it's for pests but they have teeth griffins yeah I, do they just have a beak so the question is do they chew their food or do they just swallow it whole you assume they're omnivores right uh i would assume they were carnivores oh okay yeah, i was they sort of assuming carnivores. carnivores that's too. cool i don't mind um but yeah do they have teeth do they need teeth? I don't think they would need teeth, especially if they, again, evolve from an avian. I mean, although there's, like, have you ever seen the inside of a goose mouth? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> terrifying. <laughs> They've got That's... horrifying, weird little teeth inside their beaks. <laughs> including on their tongue. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's not do that. I don't yeah. think we're going to do that. <laughs> they just got cool beaks. Cool beaks. Just cool beaks. All right, I'm sated. All right, That's all are we satisfied? Fantastic Griffin facts I needed to know. Yeah. All right, uh, we have social media handles now. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/theunnaturalists. Uh, also, twitter.com/slash/theunnaturalists, and at theunnaturalists.tumblr.com. Uh, we got a lot of editing and hosting help from our good buddy Ronnie at Bristol Podworks. Thank you, Ronnie. Thank you, Ronnie. Uh, if you are looking to create your own podcast, Ronnie can help you out. That's his his whole deal. He does editing, and he did our theme music, and he uh, can help you just with the whole logistical system because I did not know how pod- podcast hosting worked. Emotional support. Yeah, Very emotional unique. support. Yeah. Um, Oh, also, if uh, you are the sort of person who likes to give people money, uh, we have a Kofi or Kofi or Coffee or however this website is pronounced, ko-fi.com slash the unnaturalists. <laughs> <laughs>